Well, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jordan Hill. Got the whole crew with me this week, Rusty Mansell and Kip Adams. I think I'm still hearing a little bit of cowbell ringing in my ear after this weekend. But uh, we are back in full force. Got everybody. Did you thaw out? Oh, my God. I don't know why we have an open-air press box in the year of our Lord 2022. That was horrible. I, I put it on Twitter. I thought I was going deer hunting. I went and bought some long johns, bought some uh, hand warmers. Oh, my God. I had to go all out. Crazy. I saw a fine bomb on SEC Nation, and I'm telling you, I didn't think he was going to make it. I didn't think he was going to make it the whole show. He, had his hand, he was sitting on his hands, and dude weighs like 102. <laughs> like, I was, this, guy, this guy's not going to make it. I got to say, I was worried about a uh, friend of the program uh, on threes, Jake Rowe, leaving the stadium because he was feeling it. He was hurt. It was it was freezing. Uh, and it's going to be cold in Lexington, but you know what? Press box is closed, so I'm going to be all right. You got it there. Jake's soft all that time off. He's just, he's just not accustomed to work anymore. He, he was just used to being on the river, you know, being on the lake fishing, and now he's got to do something. It's, it's pretty wild. Uh, Rusty, how is this uh, Tuesday treating you as we get ready? We've only got two more regular season games this year. You know, we say this every year. I know Kip and I bring it up all the time. You wait all year for this. The next thing you know, it's like we got, what, there's one home game left? Like, what happened? And so we're at that point. And, uh, you know, Georgia now has clinched a spot in the SEC championship. You know, they'll be playing LSU. So a lot of, lot of potential still left here for Georgia. Bit, you know, ranked number one, and certainly don't expect that to change right now. But crazy to sound that, that here we are. I think we were all August 1st, finally get to practice a little bit, had SEC media days and blink our eye, and Georgia's got one home game left. Kip, how is this Tuesday treating you as we uh, get ready for uh, one more road trip in the regular season for Georgia? Yeah, I'm already thinking about Turkey, man. It's just uh, – it, it's crazy. I'm already looking at that schedule, trying to see, uh, you know uh, – what uh what are going to be eating that weekend and and also just the fact that now we kind of know that when ohio state's playing michigan georgia will be playing georgia tech so uh get those uh get wheel that extra tv into the room and i i think uh a lot of people will probably be watching both games you definitely want to have an eye on that it's, that's that's a playing game so uh we're definitely going to be keeping an eye on that, but it's already here, man. It's already getting towards uh, postseason football and starting to kind of look at these matchups and see, you know, uh, if Georgia makes it in, you know, uh, who they might play. So it's, it's, it is crazy that we're already talking about that. Got to take a question since this is from the mailbag. Craig Lawson says, is Kip a Dapper Dan man? You going with Dapper Dan or are you a fop man there, Kip? <laughs> man, I tell you what, th this hair is doing it on its own. There's no product in this hair right now. There really isn't. There's I no mean, product in it right now. It's just whatever I'm, it wants I'm, to do, I'm it's going to do. I'm jealous. I ain't going to lie. I mean, it looks like red hot chili peppers. Right. That's why I'd be every week if I could do it. <laughs> as long as this hair wants to stay in my head, I, it gets free reign. That's the... Uh, that is the partnership that we have right now. It's kind of always been that way. I don't know if anyone can tell, but whatever my hair is doing, it's doing because it wants to. Hey, I think that's more than fair. Run with it. <laughs> so uh, we're going to have a mailbag episode. We pulled a bunch of questions from our board there at the junkyard. And also, if you're watching this live, drop a question in the comments. We'll try to get to those as well. We're going to start with one. Rusty mentioned the fact that we know the matchup in the SEC championship game is going to be Georgia and LSU. Blackout Dog asks two questions. One, 
early thoughts on the matchup with LSU, and two, would Georgia rather have a rematch with Tennessee or play either Ohio State or TCU? I'll start with you, Rusty, and then Kip, you can go off of that. Uh, thoughts on LSU and then which matchup Georgia would rather have playing Tennessee again or playing either Ohio State or TCU? We'll split it. I'll do the LSU and let J- Kip handle the other. Um, I, I know this. You better run north-south at Harold Perkins and not east-west because this is uh, this is one of the most dominating kind of outside inside line defenders I've seen in a while. He was ranked number one in the country at linebacker on 24-7 sports for a reason last year. And, and you watch what he's done the last two games. I mean, he gave Alabama and Arkansas literal hell, for lack of a better term, and, and uh, affected the game. Turnover, sacks, two forced fumbles last week. And you start talking about Stetson Bennett and how athletic Stetson Bennett is. And he is, that is the most underappreciated part of his game. But I will tell you this, that Malik Hornsby is twice as fast as Stetson Bennett. Malik Hornsby is a world-class sprinter. And twice he could not outrun Harold Perkins to the sideline. And that shocked me. So to me, uh, that LSU matchup, I think you got to put Broderick Jones and you got to put Warren McClendon and you got to put Tate Rattledge. You got to put those six, seven guys in his face and engage him. Because if you try to go from side to side against him, it's not a good result. Kip, your thoughts as far as with uh, what could be the matchup in the semifinals between maybe Tennessee or Ohio State or TCU? I don't know how they're going to do it, but I just don't see them putting Tennessee and Georgia you know, in that semifinal game. I mean, you don't, they just played, you, you try to avoid that at all costs. It's going to be tough because Tennessee's got what, you know, they have a Vanderbilt game left. And uh, what, what's the other game that they have? Um, South Carolina. So, yeah, South Carolina. So not really a lot of resume builders for them to kind of move up. But at the same time, it's just, I, I, I just, I, I can't see it. And if, if you're Georgia, I, I think, you know, You'd rather not – I mean, you, you play whoever you play as far as the matchups. I mean, TCU seems like, on paper, the team that would be just a better matchup for Georgia. I mean, they have a strong defense. They push the ball down the field a little bit, uh, and I think they do a pretty good job in that area. But, you know, as far as them uh, allowing tackles for loss and, and at the same time getting plays behind the sticks on defense, that's not really an aspect. They're not really strong in that area. It's just one of those teams where they're not really weak in an area, but not really strong in any particular area as well. I, I think one thing that stands out, I was looking at LSU as well, is neither of these teams turn the ball over a lot. Uh, for teams that push the ball down the field, I think TCU might be uh, last in the country. I think they may have had two two interceptions the whole year. And uh, that's pretty impressive for a top 30 offense. I think they're over 270 passing yards per game. Uh, the fact that they've only had two interceptions, it's very, very impressive. But I still think that's that's the matchup on paper. You've kind of already seen, you know, Georgia playing a team that's up-tempo and willing to, to push the ball down the field. Ohio State, I mean, their passing attack is, is something that will, again, test Georgia's secondary if that's the team that they end up playing when all is said and done, then, you know, that'll be the team that, that you know, that they they scheme against. But I think TCU, I mean, that's kind of this the, the better matchup on paper for Georgia right now. And let's talk a little bit about this before we get to some of the other questions. And I didn't pull this from our board, but somebody asked us what we thought, you know, who had the best chance of making the playoff at this point. And they 
they gave Georgia one, obviously, and then the winner of Ohio State, Michigan, which I think is very fair, and then who we think would be coming next. To me, I think it looks like Georgia, Ohio State, I think Ohio State beats Michigan, TCU, and then my fourth is probably either Tennessee or the loser of Ohio State, Michigan. It just depends on how close that game is. Now, I will say if Michigan loses that game, if they play it close, they might have an argument, but I'll say this, and we were talking about this the other day at the complex, just talking about what we could see in the playoff. Michigan's non-conference schedule was terrible this year. Their best game was UConn, and they got lucky. UConn wound up being halfway decent. But you played UConn, you played Hawaii, and you played Colorado State. And Hawaii and Colorado State might be among the top five, top ten worst teams in the nation. So I think that really hurts Michigan's argument. Tennessee, other than playing Pitt, their non-conference wasn't crazy, but I think they did play a tougher schedule than Michigan. But what are your thoughts as far as what the playoff might look like? I think that's where I'm going. I think it's probably going to be, if I had to say right now, i say Georgia, Ohio State 2, uh, TCU 3, because I do think they're going to take care of business. They, they passed a huge test playing uh, Texas this weekend and winning that game. And then I would say probably Tennessee 4, as much as they may not want to see that rematch. That's at least how I would rank those games, rank those teams going into the playoff. The fact that you mentioned you, Michigan needs UConn to win tells me <laughs> tells me that Michigan has to win in Columbus to get in. I mean, the fact that we we all agree that the UConn winning is a good thing for Michigan it just blows my mind. But uh, you know, if Michigan were to win that game twenty-one to twenty and kick a field goal at the end, and just a really great game, what what does that do for you know? They don't want to meet rematch with those two teams. So you know, I think it's. I think at this point, Tennessee's in, and I think that the, the committee would not want, I agree with Kip, they would not want that rematch right now. Let's just see if both teams can earn one and play a game in California uh, if it happens. But, you know, I haven't got too far into it, but you're starting to see a lot of USC talk. And, you know, you don't really – this is what I'll say. They're begging for somebody – west of the Mississippi to get in this thing. And if they can get California in this thing involved, look out for USC. You know, what can they do to run it? Would they come to Atlanta to play? You know, maybe Georgia's a one seed, those types of things. So I think there's a lot of variables in there. But right now, I would feel best right now, in my opinion, Georgia, Ohio State, and I do think Tennessee, uh, because, I mean, they're going to Alabama. That was a big win for Alabama beating Ole Miss for them. Bar some type of upset, they're going to have a really good resume uh, as they finish out this year. Mentioned in USC, I mean, they've got the one-point loss to Utah, so they're definitely not out of it yet. For sure. Yeah, yeah. With Pac-12, I mean, they're 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 desperate for someone to be in this thing uh, outside of you know this 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 East Coast stuff. Kip, uh, your thoughts as far as playoff teams? Yeah, I mean, right now, I, I think it's. Big Ten winner TCU and in Tennessee right now, and yeah, everyone's kind of waiting to see a. Is there going to be a one-loss conference champion that kind of sneaks in there at the end? So uh, Tennessee fans are hoping that there's just a little bit more chaos left to be had, and if it takes the conference championships to do it, then they'll be sweating until the very end. Chaos in college football, Kip. I've never heard of such. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any other way. That's uh, why it's the greatest sport there is, man, Every any given Saturday. So no surprise, a lot of the questions we got from our board was recruiting related. And I'm going to call up Jordan1991. 
who asks recruiting updates dot 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 question mark and where's the mo uh mm. Ru- rusty just give us a feel for how things are going on the recruiting front for georgia as we get honestly we're not very far away from that early signing period in december well you, you know with that um and i kind of made a post on the board and kind of you know did it intentionally to tell you that there's some things going on behind the scenes. Now, I think in every interview I've done this year, not sure that I've ever said that Georgia could finish with a number one class. I thought always I was pretty consistent. They could finish top four. Uh, there's definitely some things I would say communication wise on the backside, the, you know, behind the scenes going on with some prospects right now that if Georgia were to land a couple of these guys, uh, it would change the trajectory of this class and where they could finish. And that's a high ceiling. Uh, and listen, we don't really know how this month of December is going to go. Like this is uncharted territory for all of us. You know, how, how is this, this NIL going to play into the kids that are committed now committed there. And if, what if Georgia missed on a kid earlier and came back and said, Hey, you know, that, you know, what if somebody else upset on a, another player? So I, I think December is going to be unique. I think it's going to be crazy. Um, we, I talked about this yesterday in a, on, a, a, on our board. December the 5th opens up the portal. That's not new. These players can start taking visits to portal kids on December the 5th. So, you know, Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State and all these schools, they have very few official visits left because there were so many in June this year. So there's not, and we're not going to have that wild month of like 25 OVs. Georgia may have five or six OVs in the whole month of December. They, they haven't, they don't have any left. So you start thinking then, well, where's, where's the, where's the momentum and all that? Well, transfer portals, the transfer portal, what kids are visiting. Here's the tricky thing about covering those. Those kids aren't taking pictures. They're not doing the, they're not on Twitter and doing Instagram, you know, photo shoots and uniform and all that. They're coming to meet and find out if they can fit in this offense and what opportunities they have at those schools. So there is a lot to be determined. But I will say that I'm pretty confident right now, especially after that Georgia-Tennessee environment. There's a lot going on behind the scenes for Georgia. Now, can they close it? We'll find out. But they've got some opportunities there on some players that – Probably weren't mentioned as much with Georgia in this class that I think they've kind of got in on that Georgia's kind of got in on here. And uh, we'll see if they can uh, what they can do as far as uh, trying to close out this class. But there's definitely some some positive stuff going on from that Tennessee game. Kip, sort of along those lines, uh, just what are you expecting to see over this next month and, and how things could shape up? Georgia? Yeah, once once you start getting to November and you have a lot of these kids are, you know, they're in the playoffs for their high school teams, but then at the same time, you know, this is, this is the biggest moment, you know, of their lives, the biggest announcement. And when you get November, you have the opportunity to maybe do an announcement, maybe do something on TV or at the same time, do something with your teammates. Uh, Then usually they're going to wait and do that. And and so that's why, even though some of these guys might have a pretty good idea where they want to go, you know, Georgia has, has been, you know, at the front of five-star edge rusher Samuel Mpemba, the, the the guy at IMG Academy, they've been in a great great shape for his recruitment throughout. Now, granted, he still has Miami's in the mix. You obviously have to watch them uh, in any recruitment now, but George has been up there at the top throughout his recruitment. He's announcing on December 4th, and I think that's, again, December. Once you, once you get this close to December, there's no point. You might as well just wait. 
and get your opportunity to kind of make an announcement and, and have your moment. So a lot of the guys that Georgia had on campus, even that Tennessee weekend, everyone's wondering, like, where is all the momentum? These aren't recruits that just announced on a random Tuesday most of the time. These guys are the guys that Georgia's been in it through the whole cycle. You don't get these guys. You're not, you're not fighting against air here. There is a resistance or other teams recruiting these guys. You got to win those battles, and those battles often go to the very end. Georgia may have gotten momentum with a lot of guys. You know, DeAndre Moore, the wide receiver from California. You get Anthony Evans, the other receiver committed to Oklahoma. Louisville commit and DeAndre Moore. Those are guys that Georgia got on campus. You might not see the returns of that immediately, but, you know, when it comes down to it, they have a good chance to flip both those guys. And so also in December, we're going to see, or at the end of the month, we're going to see Kirby Smart and the coaching staff hit the road, you know, contact period, in-home visits. This is that time of the year. And that's really when, you know, a lot of big moves can be made in other recruitments, but also Georgia can kind of lock some guys down that they've got momentum with right now. Damon Wilson, the five-star edge down in Venice, Florida, a guy that, you know, probably take his recruitment all the way to the end as well. Deuce Robinson. Todd Hartley's been out to Arizona plenty of times already. He'll probably go out there again with Kirby Smart as well. Has a chance to reel in the number one tight end in the country. And these are just guys that, again, we're always going to take their recruitment throughout this to the end of the cycle. And I think Georgia does have a lot of momentum right now. They they got to close the deal. But again, this is this is where Kirby Smart shines. This is the time of the year where uh, you know everyone starts to remind themselves that uh, Kirby Smart's an elite recruiter. He's got an elite recruiting staff. They got the number two class in the country right now. And as Rusty said, and this is that rare chance for them to potentially have the number one class again. Got to close in some elite guys and some big time battles. We'll take a quick break, but we'll answer more questions coming up, more recruiting uh, questions, more questions about this team as we, again, get a little bit closer to the end of the regular season. But before that, we're going to take a quick break. Welcome back, everybody. Well, another question that relates really to 247, John Adams asked, the future of class ratings, a combo of high school and transfer portal players. I think we already have that. One of you guys can correct me where we combine the ratings for both. We do. We have one. Yep. Yeah, so we've already got that option. You can look and compare how uh, teams have pulled from the portal and also the traditional route of high school recruiting. Um, wanted to bring up a question from our board that I thought was really interesting and is one that you know we may to discuss a little bit more once the coaching carousel kind of picks up even more. ATL CPA asks, is Glenn Schumann too young at 32 to get a big-time head coaching gig? I'll start with you, Rusty. What are your thoughts on the prospects of Glenn Schumann, who is admittedly a, still a really young coach, having an opportunity to maybe become a head coach this offseason? Well, I'll say this. You know, obviously, there's a lot of conversation on Alabama message boards about Glenn Schumann. Um, he, he went to the University of Alabama. He worked in the office. Interesting with Glenn Schumann, never played college football. And he was the first person that Kirby Smart hired at the University of Georgia at 26 years old. So it tells you how bright he is and, and what kind of uh, work ethic he put in as a, as a staffer on the ground floor to get to a point where Kirby Smart made him his first hire uh, the day after he got a job at the University of Georgia. His wife went to the University of Alabama. Now, saying that, you call that, that's home for him. Well, Kirby Smart was Georgia was home for him and probably turned down Georgia twice over 
probably eight or nine year span to come back. I think Glenn Schumann's going to be very patient in what he does in his next move. And he certainly is going to be a target of a lot of people. And I'll tell you this, 100%, he has turned down multiple uh, P5 uh, defensive coordinator jobs. I don't want to get in his business, but I know that for 100% fact. So Glenn Schumann, and he did that before he was actually the title at Georgia. They, everybody knew he was the next man up. And so he's calling the defense now. He's 32 years old. I think he's in a really, really good spot. I think Glenn Schumann's going to be here for a little while. And I think he's going to be very patient with his move. I think his trajectory could be to a head coach, the next spot he goes to. Now, what does he want to do? But I do think, you know, he just got a bump this year. Gordon, I think he's 800,000 or something like that around that neighborhood. It would not surprise me to see him get another bump at the end of the year because there's going to be some people calling. But I feel confident that, you know, the path that Kirby took to get to Georgia where he could have been defensive coordinator at least two other times and he didn't take it. Uh, there's going to be some, some things with Glenn Schumann. I think he's going to be very patient. I think, you know, he's in a good spot. He likes the city of Athens. His, his wife likes it here. Uh, two small kids uh, he has a lot of family around him that live in the area. So there's a lot of things about university of Georgia. I think Glenn Schumann, it appeals to him right now, uh, but I'm pretty confident that he's going to be patient in what he's going to do. And I'm also confident that you're going to continue to hear his name uh, because he is a very, very bright, young, energetic alpha recruiter. I mean, this guy is an alpha recruiter. Uh, so that's another good thing about him. So I think working with Kirby Smart and probably having him to listen to about his next move will be, you know, kind of his step. And we'll see what happens with, with Glenn Schumann. But, man, he's going to – his name's going to pop up a lot of places. But I'm pretty confident he's going to be patient in what he does with his next step. I think it's a great comparison to Kirby. I mean, it's it's pretty similar situations. And I think that might have been when Mark Rick ultimately hired Todd Grantham that there was a little bit of talk. If I, I think it was 2000, 2010, I believe, uh, 2010. And then I think, again, maybe right after – I think it was the Willie Martinez move. Mm -hmm. Kirby was the next guy, and then Grantham wound up taking it. And I think right after that, one more try, I think, at Kirby, and he kind of waited it out and ultimately got the head coaching job. Yeah, yeah, definitely couldn't say that didn't work out. And we'll be intrigued just to watch, you know, where Glenn Schumann's name comes up. I mean, I wonder if there will be any talk about, like, UAB. I, th I believe his father might have coached a year at UAB as a defensive coordinator. Just see if his name gets mentioned. But it seems like Glenn Schumann's in a good spot to sort of, you know, bide his time, just like Kirby Smart did, and, and wait for a good opportunity. Um, looking at some of the other questions, Hunker Down asks, how does Georgia fix their turnover problem? And, you know, it's been something to watch. It's actually something I'm planning on asking Kirby about uh, Tuesday night when we get a chance to talk to him. And uh, the thing that has really struck me, guys, I went back and looked, Georgia has not won the turnover battle since the Vanderbilt game. And there's been a few of those where they were, you know, essentially ties, I think, two turnovers against Tennessee, and they forced two turnovers. But to me, it's something that you really got to pay attention to. I think the fact – that this defense has had missed opportunities. You know, there was probably at least one dropped interception against Mississippi State. We saw that earlier in the year against Vanderbilt as well. When you get into these crunch time games, you know, creating turnovers, um, you know, much less just holding on to the ball, I mean, can be huge in, in turning what could be a one, two possession game. Um, so I think that's got to be a big area of emphasis for Georgia. You know, had had some issues of late with the running backs holding on to the ball. You know, Dejon Edwards fumbles on that very first drive against Tennessee. 
And, you know, I think being up in that press box, we all kind of sat there and was like, you know, this is a golden opportunity for Tennessee and credit the Georgia defense they held down. But then in, in the Mississippi State game, you know, there was a really close play where – uh, They got away with one there. I can tell you that. I'll be yeah. honest. They got away with one there. I agree. They call forward progress, and Dejon appeared to fumble, but mm. uh, it's not a play that's reviewable. Um, so I think that is a real concern, not only holding on to the ball, uh, but creating turnovers, trying to win that turnover margin. Because once you get through these next two games, you know, obviously you got to take care of the ball in those, but, you know, creating possessions and ending possessions for your opponents, I mean, could be the difference in winning and losing some of these games as the competition level really ramps up. Uh, Kip, any thoughts on just the turnover issues Georgia's had of late, things to watch in these next few games? Yeah, it definitely shrinks the margin of error. You talk about gaining possessions. Georgia gains those by getting off the field on third down. Uh, they're number five in the country uh, in converting on third down, and they're number three in the country uh, in third down conversion defense. I mean, they only allowed opponents to convert on 26.6%, which is a ridiculous number given an SEC schedule. That's how you gain possessions, and that, that's how you're able to still – Again, against Mississippi State, when everyone looked at that game and thought it was a sloppy performance by Georgia, they put up 45 for a reason because they were able to get get extra possessions. At the same time, Mississippi State scoring 19. I, I don't think – I mean, they might not be in double digits if Georgia doesn't turn the ball over. So uh, you're allowing your opponent to to play a much closer game than it, than it really should be on paper. And like you said, again, again, the SEC championship playoff games, they're not going to be able to do that. And, and so, it's, yeah, ball security, uh, I think if you're Kendall Milton, if you're Dejon Edwards, you know, regardless, if you're a Georgia running back, you might as well be in the program right now, holding that ball, going to class every day, just the old school, making sure that football is your best friend. And, and you remember that, again, you can't fumble the ball in these big games. And, and Stetson Bennett, I mean, again, it, it's still – he's got five interceptions now. I think uh, that's still going to be part of his game. I don't think you're going to be able to take a take that aspect. He is a gunslinger. You're going to have one or two of those a game where you kind of just, you know, you know he immediately wishes he could have that one back. Uh, he, he's been in this program long enough. I don't think that aspect of his game is going to change because he's also – going to take some shots downfield to where you know everyone's just kind of shaking their head I can't believe you made that play uh so it, it just comes with it but as far as the running backs go that they, they definitely have to have a focal point being ball security because again these teams know they can rip the ball out they're they're making plays in the ball and uh, they're ending Georgia drives well before they should so that aspect definitely has to be worked on as as best they can over the next month We'll get out of here with one more recruiting question. The dog who barks asks, best player potentially in Georgia's 2023 class, both on the offensive side and on the defensive side. Rusty, who are some of the players that really strike you who you think once they get to Georgia have the potential to really be an impact player? I would say Tyler Williams and Raylan Wilson. Uh, ironically, two players from the state of Florida. I mean, two players at positions that, you know, obviously Tyler Williams, a wide receiver, I've talked to some people that have seen him practice. You know, this is a converted quarterback, so it's really his second year playing wide receiver, freak athlete, size, six three and a half. Just a guy that you know, Georgia needs wide receivers, and they need big wide receivers. You know, obviously they're getting some stuff done with Lamb McConkey and those guys, and 
but you know, need some need some need some size out on the outside. And I think he's a guy that brings that. Raylan Wilson, I think, is a he's just made for college football. I mean, this guy can run, he'll strike you, he can cover. Uh reminds me a lot of Smile Munden. Maybe he's not, maybe even has a higher ceiling than Smile Munden. Uh, a little bit faster, you know, coming out of high school. So I just think that Raylan Wilson, again, Glenn Schumann, wins a head-to-head battle there. Kid was committed to Michigan for a long time. Everybody tried to get in on him. Didn't work. Uh, Glenn Schumann locked in and got him done. So I think those two guys, ironically, the state of Florida, Georgia continues to do well there. And uh, those two guys, I would be surprised if they're not contributing early at Georgia next year. Kip, uh, any people that really stand out to you that we are expecting uh, to wind up being Bulldogs when it's all said and done? Yeah, potentially being Bulldogs. So I'll, I'll go ahead and go out on the limb on a couple guys on defense. Jordan Hall, defensive lineman from Jacksonville, Florida, out of Westside High School, pushing 6'5", 300 pounds. And just one of those guys that even now rated, uh, I think, number 52 in the country by 24-7 sports outside the top 100 in the comp- composite. I think the industry is uh, underrating him a little bit. I think he's just one of those uh, defensive linemen that, has the chance to, to physically dominate and be disruptive at the next level. You know, pushing 11-inch hands, got that 84-inch wingspan. I, you know, I'm not going to try to compare him to anyone at Georgia, uh, but, again, he has a chance to just be that next type of defensive lineman that really comes in and in Georgia's three-man front is able to fill the stat sheet up. I, I just think he's one of those guys that if he continues to physically develop, gets coached up it can be a guy that the teams have to prepare for he's that type of talent i think uh again georgia still has that official visit uh with him i think he's a guy that's going to take it you know to the end of the cycle but if they land him uh could be an impact guy uh, may if not year one then definitely year two and on offense how about deuce robinson how about that number one tight end in the country a guy that again Todd Hartley has two tight ends committed right now. They definitely wants to keep in this class, but continues to push, push and see if he can continue to improve that room. Cause you know, Darnell Washington's going to be gone this year. You know, Brock Bowers is going to be gone next year. You got to continue to reload. And why not get the number one tight end in the country, a guy that's 6'6, 225 pounds, and checks all the boxes at that position? I think he could add to his frame a little bit. I, I think his wingspan and, and his catch rate is, is exactly what Todd Munkin loves to to really profile in this offense and a guy that can win those 50-50 balls. And that's always going to be an aspect of Georgia's offense. I think with, I agree with Rusty. I think Tyler Williams can definitely be a guy that can do it all in an offense. But right now, that tight end position is definitely shining for Georgia. And Deuce Robinson could be that next guy for Georgia. We'll find out if Hartley can out-recruit the Astros and Phillies because for, for Deuce Robinson. It'll be something to watch, no doubt. Uh, for me, Raylan Wilson, I mean, Rusty's been singing his praises for quite some time. And if I've learned anything in he's Rust, a, in Rust, we trust. I know a, when. He's a dude, man. I'm just telling you right now, if he's not, I'm, I'm in the wrong business. Be excited to see what he is able to do. And a guy that maybe won't be, you know, the, the top guy, but a guy I'm really interested in is Yazid Haynes, what he's been able to do. I've been trying to keep up with his stats each week and watch his highlights. Been very impressive. And it seems like just from what we can tell, Georgia got on him at a very good time. And I think he'll be very, uh, very interesting player to watch just as far as what he brings to a receiver room that we've talked about over and over on this podcast. Very important for Georgia, bring in some big time players at receiver in this cycle. 
Fran Brown, Northeast Connection. No uh, doubt. It's been, it's been really strong for them. No doubt about it. Before we get out of here, do another uh, men's basketball minute. Georgia men's basketball is now 2-1. and one. Uh, They're coming off a 77-70 to 70 win against Miami of Ohio. I got to apologize. Uh, at one point, I tweeted that they were leading Miami, and I got some response like, Oh my God, you know, they're beating a tournament team. I was like, let's take it easy, Miami of Ohio. But uh, finish strong. Uh, Terry Roberts, the transfer from Bradley, looked really good. Wound up leading the team in points. True freshman Kyron Lindsay has his first double double in his third game as a Bulldog. So a lot to like. I thought they kind of took the, the, uh, uh, their foot off the gas in the second half. They were up probably 13 or 14, kind of let Miami get back in it. Um, but I, I think some strong things early on. I thought they looked good in the second half against Wake and what was a loss, uh, but against a pretty good Wake team, and I think Steve Forbes does a good job. So 2-1, and one, play Bucknell on Friday. Then they go to Daytona for two games next week. Um, was really trying to push, you know, that would be a good one. For they me. go to Daytona. I know I can see everybody trying to sneak that in down there for basketball. I was going to say, you know, this would just be a really good connection, guys, for me to go down there, cover this team. I'm on and, the Mike White bus now. I'm ready. <laughs> let's, let's go. Let's uh, pack it up. I feel like it'll be a little bit warmer in Daytona than it will be in Lexington on Saturday. But um, we're going to wrap up this episode. Let me say, let me say one quick thing because I see it. John, John Adams here asked about Eric Gilbert kind of comment. And I'll say this about Eric. Um, Eric has had a, from everything I've heard, a really good month. And when you start talking about a young man that has, has a, as a real life battle and you know, what I'm hearing out of him, like he is, he is really on a good path right now and don't know if he's going to play a lot this year, but where he is right now and what he is showing and where he is in his point of life, it is very good news for him. And I think that, uh, continue prayers for him and, Eric Gilbert is a NFL first round talent and anybody will tell you that, but uh, he certainly is, is hearing some positive things out of him. So I kind of want to bring that up a little bit. Absolutely. And he wound up making the trip to Starkville. So it was good to see him there and, and yep. uh, obviously want to continue to see uh, him uh, as he progresses and comes along. So um, on that, we're going to wrap up this episode. Pretty Kip Rusty for popping on. Appreciate everybody who's listening live and watching us live and, for all you who listen after the fact, we really appreciate y'all's support. Uh, make sure and go to the Dogs 247 YouTube page. You can see all the podcasts, all the good content we got there. Um, keep an eye out on Thursday. I will have an episode with one of Kentucky's beat writers. We're going to talk about the matchup on Saturday and talk about what we expect to see up in Lexington. So that'll be another fun one. Um, but for Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, I'm Hill. We're going to wrap up this episode. And until next time, take care. Go Hawks. Oh,